We pray, O Lord, your mercies are new every morning. Grant us wisdom to receive them with thanksgiving and to use them to your glory. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, this is one of our Lord's pithy little parables that tempts us to look around, to point the finger at who may or may not be that rich man of the parable whom God himself calls a fool. That is to swing the club of God's law blindly and arbitrarily. There is significant differences among us in terms of material wealth, more importantly, significant differences in our vulnerability to the ninth and 10th commandments. One Lutheran commentator suggests that the parable is like a photograph at the bottom of which Jesus now sings the man's name. Look closely whether this is perhaps your name. To see that name requires a discerning eye turned inward. It is not a question of externals, bank accounts or trust funds, fancy cars or designer homes. It is the sin of greed, the sin of Achan, something that is hidden in the heart, Joshua chapter 7. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things and took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. So God called them out, tribe by tribe, clan by clan, household by household, and finally man by man until Achan was taken. Then he confessed. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and I took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. There's that word, that sin, I coveted. In our text this morning, Jesus warns the crowd. He warns us regarding coveting. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. I can't say that. Covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. The reality is we are all rich in material blessings. Though sometimes it's a matter of perspective. The story is told of a wealthy father who took his son on a trip to the country to show him how poor people can be. He dropped him off for a couple of days and nights on the farm of what would be considered a very poor family. On the son's return, his father asked, how was the trip? It was great, dad. Did you see how poor people can be? His father asked, oh yeah. So what did you learn from the trip? I saw that we have one dog the son replied, and they have four. We have a pool that reaches to the middle of our garden. They have a creek that has no end. We have important, imported lanterns in our garden. They have stars at night. Our patio reaches to the front yard, and they have the whole horizon. We have a small piece of land to live on, and they have fields that go beyond sight. We buy our food, but they grow our, theirs. We have walls to protect us, but they have their friends to protect them. With this, the father was speechless. And then the son added, thanks, dad, for showing me how poor we are. It's all a matter of perspective. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Truly, as long as we have life and breath, we are rich. Our contemporary society is quick to speak of quality of life when wrestling with end-of-life issues. 
Yes, there are qualities of life, but life, even in suffering, is a gift of God. Finally, we are all in God's hands, and we dare not force God's hand, but seek his will. In difficult times, we pray for God's wisdom in his presence. It is a matter of faith, a matter of submitting our will to God's will, that he might be glorified. The gift of life is the greater gift that went unrecognized by the rich man in today's parable. But let us consider in a little bit more detail what else we know about this man. First, we note that the man was rich, but not because of the bumper crop, but prior to it. There is also no indication of any wrongdoing, nothing untoward about his wealth, no suggestion of extortion or usury or ill-gotten gain. No doubt he was a model citizen, respected in the community, and while his wealth was great, the danger of covetousness was even greater, and the rich man succumbed. Twelve times in three verses we encounter first-person pronouns, my crops, my barns, my grain, my good things, etc. Lenski paints an interesting picture. Now he leans back, furrows of thought on his forehead, a faraway look in his eyes. He is thinking of the great chains the replacement will make, the money and the work it will mean and the picture it will make, all the new fine grand storehouses, full to overflowing with all my grain and good things. What a picture. But turn the page. There is the same man, cold in death, his hands crossed on his breast. He was rich in material things, yet bankrupt toward God. We need to contrast these two riches, these two forms of wealth as they appear in our own lives. To be rich toward God means to enjoy pardon and peace, life and salvation in union with Christ. Pardoned by the redemption from sin accomplished on the cross as Peter lays out in his first epistle. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You are ransomed, redeemed, pardoned in the blood of the lamb. And being pardoned, we are at peace, as Paul writes to the church in Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is a peace that the world cannot take away. Pardon and peace result in life and salvation in union with Christ. We heard about this in last week's epistle as Pastor Beck highlighted pointing toward those unique compound verbs in Colossians chapter 2. With him, that is, with Christ. In him, in Christ, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, but putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised from him, 
raised him from the dead. You are mine, your Savior has declared. In contrast, spiritual wealth, pardon and peace, life and salvation, can, be, can appear to be very different from material wealth. But it is really not a question of apples and oranges, trying to compare two different types. It, it is a question of time. We sing the hymn we sing with the hymn writer, Gracious God, you send great blessing new each morning all our days. The question of time was made explicit by the rich man. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God's time is of another measure. Fool, he declares, this night your soul is required of you. The rich man would sleep contentedly, but God has turned his sleep into a door to eternity. Time and timelessness force us to reorder our priorities, force us to revalue, reevaluate what counts. Is the bird in the hand really worth two in the bush? Foster Huntington sought to answer that question by asking another one. If your house was burning, what would you grab on your way out the door? He created a website and invited people to post photographs of their must-have possessions. Within a year, the website was filled with thousands of photos from around the world. A few of the items would a few of the items people would grab on the way out the door included one husband, one son, and three cats. The film The Princess Bride on Blu-ray. My daughter, everything else can be replaced. A few packs of my favorite green tea in case I'm thirsty. Favorite earrings I wore to my wedding. Ring I got from my dad when I was 12. Mystery box. My father put something inside before I nailed it shut forever closed until I'm an old man and he is long gone. My grandfather's Bible. Ernest Hemingway's selected letters. Moleskin journal which contains all of my thoughts and ideas. House key, because you need them, even though your house is burning. Flip-flops, a bikini, and a skirt, because if my house burns down, I'm going to the beach. <laughs> Huntington claims that the inquiry taught him a valuable lesson about material possessions. His first photograph included 18 must-have items. After a year, it dropped to only two absolutely irreplaceable items. What lasts? What do you give away? What gets taken away? You are rich, rich in this life and the next. But the title promised, Getting Richer. How does that happen? With God and spiritual matters, we know that it is all a gift. Time and again in Paul's epistles, he drives home the point, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. The emphasis on gifts is a distinctly Lutheran perspective. Melanchthon, in the Apology, writes, So let no one glory in works, because no one is justified by their deeds. But those who are righteous have it as a gift, because after wa the washing of baptism, they were justified. It is faith that frees people from through the broad blood of Christ. And God promises to keep giving good gifts. 
last week from Luke chapter 11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Recognizing that spiritual gifts are all gifts helps inform our perspective on material gifts, sometimes called first article gifts. In Luther's explanation, after the list of clothing and shoes, house and home, etc., he writes, all this he does only out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy, without any merit of worthiness in me. For all that it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. At the end of the week, long and tedious, perhaps with some overtime thrown in for good measure, there it is in your mailbox, a paycheck. You earned it, yes, but it is still a gift. Physical and mental abilities to do the work, gift. The job itself, gift. Coworkers, gift. Favorable conditions, gift. Unfavorable conditions, also a gift. This is the wisdom of Solomon from our Old Testament reading. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat and who can have enjoyment? Ecclesiastes 2. But now one greater than Solomon has come, Christ Jesus as Lord. In him, through him, God has lavished on us great blessings, pardon and peace, life and salvation with him. You are rich and in Christ getting richer. Amen.